Welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Waiting, all right? We're going to get a smile out of everybody before we start. I'm looking. Smile. I see them beautiful smiles back there. Can I get a smile back there? Come on. Okay, that's better. All right. We've got a lot to smile about. Heaven is our home, guaranteed. No matter what's going on in our lives, there's a better life awaiting us. All right, welcome to the Way Service at Greystone. I want to thank everyone for coming out this morning to get a portion of God's Word. First and foremost, I would like to thank our risen Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, this morning. For making all this possible for us. By going to the cross, shedding His blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and becoming the final sacrifice for our sins. So we can have a new life, eternal life, spiritual life, and a new purpose here on planet Earth to all who believe in the one and only Son of God. We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior Jesus and one another. Uh, This ministry has a goal, and that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way. Not our way, God's word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we study it, learn it, and apply it to see how God wants us to live, how to think, how to act, how to serve, how to treat ourselves and others. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. One body. I want to personally welcome all of you to the way. We depend on God's grace not our own power, to accomplish his will for our lives. Also want to say hello to our family on the live feed who can't be here with us this morning. If you would like to worship with us in unity of the spirit together this morning, we love you all and thank you for your continued support. And also, if you have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it does not disturb this morning's service? And we'll start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, thank you, Lord, for giving us this beautiful day and this beautiful opportunity this morning to gather together as your children to worship and to honor and to glorify you, Lord. And as always, to put your name above all names, even our own, as we all fight to put you first in our lives, Lord. Thank you for getting us here safely, Lord, and all your generous provisions that you provide for us each and every day, Lord. We're just so grateful for your matchless grace and tender-hearted mercies that begin afresh every day, Lord. For without that, we wouldn't be able to go on and carry out your will. I pray, Lord, you take all the bitterness, the resentment, anger, and fear out of our hearts this morning, Lord, so we can receive a crystal clear message through your word and by your spirit, Father. As always, we pray for the sick and suffering, Lord. We also pray for the nation Israel, Lord, that you keep your healing hands upon it, Lord, and protect her, Lord. 
as all of us are one body and one family in you, Lord Jesus. So we're just grateful and thankful that you're always there and you know everything, Lord. Help us to always put you first, Father. And we pray for the sick and suffering that you let them realize there's a purpose in everything that you do in all of our lives, Lord. And the reason is to mold us and to shape us and to bring us closer to you and become more like your son, the Lord Jesus, so we can glorify you and build your kingdom. And as always, Father, let everything be led by your spirit this morning and not our flesh. And it's in Jesus' powerful name that I pray. Amen and amen. Okay, Brittany's going to come up and sing. We're going to stand and worship the Lord. Oh! 
a beautiful song that is, right? Beautiful day, beautiful voice, beautiful church. I have a round of applause for that. Come on now. The church is looking awesome, beautifully today, and so are the people. One body. So grateful to be here this morning. Thank you, Jesus, for giving us another day and an opportunity to worship Him. As always, the Holy Spirit will be taking over as I go into these scriptures, so please clear your mind and prepare your hearts to receive the message that the Spirit is trying to say to the church this morning. Amen? Okay, we do have a blue card inside the pew to help you get along into the scriptures because we will be going into scripture this morning. It'll help you find the chapters faster in your Bible if you can't get there quick enough, so please help yourself to it. Okay, we're going to begin this morning in Philippians chapter 4. So please turn with me on your Bible to Philippians chapter 4. <laughs> yep. There's a lot of results. <laughs> Sin is the problem. Jesus is the solution. And the result is a miracle. How about that? Thank you, Jesus. All right, Philippians chapter 4. We're going to go right to verse 4. Maybe you got it right today. Keep it in its proper context. This is an awesome scripture. All of us should memorize this one every day. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. How about an amen there? And now here's the biggest one. Don't worry about anything. As Christians, as believers in Jesus Christ, we have nothing to worry about and nothing to fear. Amen? All of us are worry warts, and I know the message this morning is going to reach somebody and bring salvation, because I know the fear and the anxiety the devil tried to put into me before I got up here, but look who's got my back. The Holy Spirit is taking over right now, so I have no fear. He's filled me with courage and bold to give this message out. Thank you, Jesus, for setting us free from ourselves. Verse 6, don't worry about anything, but there's another condition here. We have to replace that with something. Instead, pray about everything. So if whenever worry comes into your heart, the next thing to do is say, no, I'm going to go pray. That's the solution. You can't just say, I'm not going to worry. You have to replace the worry with what? Prayer. Go right to prayer. Then it says, and it's going to tell us what to say. Tell God what you need or what's going on in your life. And then thank him for all that he has done already. Then look what it says in verse 7. Then you will experience God's peace. You already have God's peace that passes all understanding. But to experience that peace in your life, there are conditions attached to it. Don't worry. Pray. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. And then you'll experience the peace of God. How about an amen there? Which exceeds anything we can understand. That's a big one. We can't, his peace is, un, un, we can't figure it out. Now look what it says. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Now, 
Living in Christ Jesus simply means as you live by the word of God. Like I said before, the, God, the Bible is our owner's manual. As we live in Jesus Christ, we live by the principles of the Bible. Then it says, verse 8, And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts. It tells you how to fix our thoughts on what is true, and honorable, and right, and pure, and lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Now, you know it as well as I do. The devil does not want us to think about things like that. He puts what? Bitterness, anger, resentments, and complaining in our hearts. So that's what we think about. What's going on in the world? What's going on here? What's going on at work? What's going on with my family? Instead of leaving it in God's hands and thinking about things that are excellent. Say, he's in control. He's going to take care of it. I'm going to put it in his hands, and I'm going to give him the keys. How about an amen there? Amen. Then it says, verse 9, to keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me. So when you learn things from the word of God and the sermons and the messages, you have to put them into practice. You have to apply them. Just like when you want to get good at golf or baseball or any other sport, you go to the, the, the driving range or the batting cage and you practice so you get better. The Christian walk is the same way. We have to practice what we're learning so we can what? Get better at it. Instead of worrying, we worry less and we pray more. It's a process of sanctification. And his grace and mercy takes care of all the other stuff, the ugliness of us in nature, as we try to walk in the path of righteousness. Amen? It's not that hard to figure out, but we have to put it into practice. We can't just come here and expect it to just by osmosis work. We have to actually apply what we're learning. And we have to learn how to apply it. We don't have to get taught how to do wrong. We already know how to do wrong. We have to be taught how to do right. The coming to church is like going back to school. Learning how to live a righteous life in the power of Jesus Christ. All right. Let me make sure I look presentable here. Okay, I'm on live on the, on the internet. We're going up beyond the four walls. We're all part of a family that goes way beyond the church, the building. Okay, the church is the people. And we're reaching millions of people right now this morning that are starving for truth. And we're all part of that body. Now it says, in verse 9, Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then there's a thing that happens. Then the God of peace will be with you. How many of us want the God of peace with us all the time? Well, he just gave you the formula how to get it. It doesn't just some say, oh, God, just give me your peace. No, we have to put into practice what he told us how to get that peace. It passes all understanding. Tell God what you need. Thank, pray, don't worry. Pray. Tell God what you need. Thank him for everything he's already done for your life. And then you'll experience that peace. How about a big amen there? So if you're having trouble understanding that, go back and read Philippians 4, 4 to 8 or 9. And then it'll come back to you every morning. Those are the scriptures that we have to really lock in to get you our daily walk. Amen? Okay. We're going to continue our walk now, our study on God's unconditional love. And this is amazing. 
His love is just so amazing. As I study this, I just fall in love with him more and more because I can't do anything wrong in his sight anymore because of the blood of Jesus. He sees Jesus in me everywhere, all the time. The devil won't want me to see that, but God told me that's what he sees. My sins are forgiven, past, present, and future. How about an amen for that? Thank you, Jesus. All right, I want us to go to my favorite chapter in the Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. <clears throat> now, I'm going to ask you for a favor, okay? This is a big favor that I'm going to ask you this morning, okay? I'm going to read from one, but as soon as I get to verse 4, as a family, okay, we are going to read from verse 4 to verse 7 together, okay? So as soon as I hit 4, we all going to get this together, okay? So get your Bible ready, and I want to hear all your beautiful voices talk about the love that God has put to each and every one of us. How about a big amen there? Amen. Because it's all about love. Because God is love. Now I'm going to go from verse 1 and understand how important love is. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but didn't love others, I would be nothing. The Bible tells us this whole book that we're learning in the Bible is to bring us to unconditional love. Not to be some smart, knowledgeable person. It's to bring us what? A soft, pliable heart full of love and compassion that Jesus Christ planted in every one of us. How about an amen there? <clears throat> All right. Stay with me now. I'm going to go to three. I'm going to hit four. <clears throat> if I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Ready? Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstances. I'm going to break all my applause for that kind of love. Now, you have to understand that the new heart that Jesus Christ gave you has that love. You all have that love already. You already possess it. There's one thing that blocks that love. It's called sin. It's called our sin nature. See, our sin nature is against God's love. Our new nature is full of God's love. There's a battle that goes on in each one of our hearts, and it's up here for the what? The love God wants to give us and the hatred that the devil has for us. As soon as you come to Jesus, things start to get worse because the devil hates you now. So now he wants you to what? Be a hater instead of what? Someone who loves and has empathy and compassion. Now listen up. I'm going to keep reading this chapter now. It says, now you have to understand what it's going to say now. 
prophecy, in speaking in unknown languages, or in tongues, in special knowledge, will become useless. But love will last forever. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. Now perfection in the Bible is maturity. When we grow um, spiritually mature, everything else will be useless because we already have the love of God, we're practicing and it's in our hearts, and we're applying it. When I was a child, look what it says now. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see things, we will see everything with perfect clarity. See, once we go home to be with him, we'll see the whole picture from the beginning to the end and know why he did everything. Or we'll see face to face. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Isn't that a beautiful thing? God knows us completely. He loves us completely. He loves us unconditionally. He knows with our frailty. He knows with but just dust. He understands the weakness of our human nature. That's why he gave us Jesus to live out life so he could see what we go through, so he could become our ultimate advocate. He goes before the Father and tells them, you know how weak they are, Father. You know that they're trying. And he what? Cleans the slate every morning for us. I call it holy amnesia. If anybody has anything against you or you have anybody against anybody, when you wake up the next day, clean the slate. Because if you don't, you won't be able to grow spiritually. Bitterness and resentment are the exact opposite of spiritual growth. It'll starve you. It'll kill you spiritually. And again, amen here. That's why God is so hard. It says, forgive others. Or you won't be forgiven. Because when you, you'll feel the guilt and shame of your own forgiveness in your own heart. That's why he says, just forgive people. And put it in my hands. Don't you worry. Nobody gets away with nothing. He'll deal with it. Now, here it is. Three things that will last forever. Faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is? So what is the most important thing that a Christian should be practicing in their life as a believer? How to love people unconditionally. That is the goal of a Christian life. To start to understand that we ought to what? Love people unconditionally. And stop putting conditions on people's lives. You'll have great relationships if you just let the Holy Spirit work in each and every one of us. He's the ultimate teacher. Can I get an amen here? So the goal is in becoming a mature Christian is to be able to love unconditionally. And all that fruit in Galatians 5, the peace, patience, um, self-control, all that beautiful stuff that God's given us will operate more than the ugly heart that we were born with. The born-again heart will take over and you'll start seeing some fruit. That little boop. Remember, I told you before, when you plant a tree in the ground, before that apple tree bears fruit, it has to be what watered and taken care of for years. Before the apple starts to show 
and be right. It's the same thing in the Christian life. When you start this life, it takes a while for God to work on our hearts inside. He works on the inside. Then the fruit comes out naturally, nothing that we do. We start to love others unconditionally. We don't have to try to do it. We don't have to try to be good. We already are good in God's eyes. There's no trying anymore. We already possess it. All that I have, all that I need is already done. So now we have to learn how to grow into that maturity. Can I get any men here? That's what we're trying to do. And God's grace and mercy helps us along the way to get there. Instead of giving up and going back, we're very impatient. We want instant spiritual growth. We get frustrated. And we start to walk away from God and stop reading the Bible and stop praying. And he's saying that's the only thing that's going to help you. You're putting away the ultimate help that you need to grow. And big amen, right? Okay. Are you with me so far here? All right, so we went over some of the principles of the unconditional love. We'll go over them quick, and we'll move on to something else. Does God hate sinners? No, he loves sinners. But one thing he does hate, he hates sin. Okay? He hates the sin that contaminates our lives. So we have to understand, God doesn't hate us. He hates the sin inside of us. You see, because sin doesn't just hurt you. Sin hurts others. So we, he understands how, how deadly it is to the Christian walk when you live sinfully. So he wants to what? Clean that out so you can live what? With all the grace and love and peace. Now that's a process and it's going to take time. All right. What is, listen now. The Bible states that God so loved the world that he gave his son for our sins. Okay? The love of God is clearly stated in the word but many ask, is God's love unconditional? Because we know how conditional love is down here. It's easy to love those who love you. But when Jesus says, I want you to go beyond that and love your enemies. Pray for them. Pray that God will bless them. The Bible says that God sends the rain on the just and the unjust. It doesn't matter. So that's something we can't do in the flesh. That's why we have to grow and to start to love our enemies. And understand that whatever they went through brought them to that place. And whatever road they went down or been down that hurt them, hurt people, hurt people. We have to understand we were like that at one time too. And now we have to have empathy and, and patience and kindness to people that are less fortunate that we have the word of God in our hearts. At one time we didn't have it in our hearts. We might have had it in our head. But to get it into your heart and become like Jesus is the process we're talking about today. When you believe in Jesus... The penalty of sin is dealt with. You're going home. But the power of sin, after you get saved, is still controlling us. That's the process of sanctification where our position with Christ is locked in. Our condition, as we grow, lines up with our position. Can I get an amen? That's the process. You, don't, you can't improve on the finished work of the cross. That's a done deal. The improvement we're talking about is the crucifixion of the flesh and newness of life in the spirit. You cannot lose salvation. Once you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes into the believer's heart and seals them until the day of redemption. Can I get any men here? Amen. Now we're sealed. Now are we going to instantly be like Jesus? Absolutely not. We'd be lying. You know, I don't want anybody to put a church face on when they come here. We are in a hospital and we're healing from sin, all of us. We're all addicted to sin. 
If we weren't addicted to it, we would be able to stop. We simply can't stop. One day you'll be great. You won't have any anger or bitterness or jealousy or talk about anybody. The next day you'll be gossiping and slandering about everybody and complaining about everything. Does that mean you're going to hell? No. That means you're going to end up what? Feeling like hell. Because when you do that, at the end of the day you say, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I talked about my brother like that and my sister. I can't complain I complained about 30 cents more for gas. I can't believe I just complained about everything when I should be grateful for everything the Bible says. It's a war. It's a battle between the what? The flesh and the spirit. That's why you can't lose it. He gives us a foundation as Jesus. On Christ the solid rock I stand, although the ground is sinking stand. Jesus is the rock we put our foundation. But he has to tear all that other stuff down for us before he can rebuild us again. He's got to tear the world system out of us. And that takes time. But one thing you can't lose is your salvation. It's a gift from God. And the, and the evidence of salvation is what? A changed life. You now want to do things that please God more than please yourself. And that's a process. We're not perfect, but we have a goal. And we start to hate the sin that contaminates our life before we just ran with it and didn't care. You know the Holy Spirit's in you when you get convicted. Well, I don't know why I did that. Paul said it in Romans 7 so clearly. It's sin living in me that does it. I really can't understand myself. I want to do good, but I find myself doing wrong. This is after 28 years of walking with the Lord, Paul, saying he was still fighting his flesh. I want to do good, but I can't. I want to do the right thing, but I don't. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this body of sin and death? Oh, thank God, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And free me from this body of sin, which is the word of God. That's why it's so important to get into the word of God. And we have a program here called Through the Bible in a Year. And if you don't want to read it, I'll read it to you. So jump on the board with us. It's a beautiful thing. It gives you a portion of God's word every day to ponder. I help you explain it so you can understand it and grow. One thing you never do is close the book. Very simple saying. Sin will keep you from the Bible. And the Bible will keep you from sin. Amen. When you feel like sinning, you don't go to the Bible. When you want to kill your flesh, you go to the Bible. So I hate my flesh. Let me go to the Word of God. Let's get rid of it. Okay, we talked about the four types of love. I'm going to go through this quick. There's the agape love that God gives us. Then there's the starje love, which is love that describes the, the family love, the love of the family. Then there's the phileo love, which is, describes genuine affection and brotherly love for our friends. And then there's the eros love, which is illustrated God's design for intimacy, passion, and connection in marriage. Amen? So what makes love unconditional? The definition of unconditional love is without restrictions or limits. Okay? Unquestioning. How can you be certain of unconditional love and where can we find it? There's one true source of this kind of love and it is with God. If we want to learn to love others unconditionally, we must look to God who is the perfect source. I didn't know what unconditional love was until I met Jesus. If I'm honest, I may never fully understand how God can still love me even when I do things that sever our relationship. 
Yet, Jesus allows us to experience the love of the Father through his death. And do you want to love people unconditionally? And we're going to show you how, and I talked about this already. I can't go back and do it because it'll take too long. But I'm going to go down the list quick. But you can go back on the website and study this because it's an awesome study. First one, God never runs out of unconditional love. Okay? Second one, unconditional love makes sacrifices. The third one, you don't have to earn unconditional love. You just, number four, you just have to accept it. We have a hard time accepting things that are free. We have a hard time accepting the free gift of God's love. The fifth one, you can never lose unconditional love. There's never going to be a time in your life when God says that unconditional love is over. I'm putting, I'm putting what? Rules on you. Never. Six, to be like Christ, you have to love unconditionally. Seven, unconditional love means surrendering your expectations. Here's one of the biggest blocks. We expect, we put unrealistic expectations on God, ourselves, and other people. Instead of letting God do the work in them, in us. I'm impatient in my own core. I want to be further along. And I, God says, no. You're still my kid, and you'll always need me every day. There'll never come a time when you get up in the morning and don't need me, he says. And I'm going to make sure of that. So it's a daily dependence on Jesus. So it means surrendering our expectations and say, I'm right where I'm supposed to be. God knows me. How about an amen there? <clears throat> Stop beating yourself up when you fail. Jesus took the hit already. The devil loves to beat us up for our sins. Jesus paid the debt in full already. It's like saying what well, Jesus' suffering wasn't enough to cover what your sins are. That's like saying it's not enough, so i got to beat myself up some more. Don't you think that ultimate sacrifice was enough? The agony he went through for us? He doesn't want us to suffer. Okay, and the eighth one, when you love yourself freely, you are free to love others unconditionally. You cannot give somebody something you don't possess. If you don't possess that unconditional love, you can't give unconditional love. So that's why you have to understand God's unconditional love for you, your unconditional love for God, your unconditional love for yourself, which is the hardest thing. How many times do we say, I hate myself? When we hate ourselves, then we become haters of others. But when we love ourselves unconditionally, knowing God's working on me, he who began the work and he's going to finish it. And he's going to finish it. Thank God I give up before he does. Amen? He's never going to give up on us. Relax, believer. He wants us to be comfortable down here. Relax. Say, listen, my grace is sufficient for you. My power works best in your weaknesses. All you have to do is be humble. The biggest thing that blocks us from that is our pride. Pride is the block. Pride was what the devil wanted. He wanted to be God. He wanted to run his own life. And that hinders us from growing. It's the biggest stumbling block in the Bible. All right, the ninth principle. When you lay down your life for God, you pick up unconditional love. See? When you lay your life down, you pick up that unconditional love. God puts it right in you. Now, the tenth one. Forgiveness is the soil that allows unconditional love to grow. Forgiveness 
is the soil that allows unconditional love to grow. You know it as well as I do when you don't forgive somebody. The Bible says to don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down when you're still angry because anger gives a foothold to the Once you let anger take root inside of you, it starts to what? Take root over the new heart and block the spirit. So anger has to be let go of immediately because it turns into bitterness. And the Bible says don't let any root of bitterness grow up inside the church. Even people inside the church get bitter towards each other and resentful. We're supposed to what? Forgive one another. Come to church in the spirit. When we're in the spirit, everything's good. The church is good. The people are good. Everybody's good. Because we're in the spirit. And the only thing that keeps us tied together is Jesus Christ. We're all believers in Jesus. That's what makes us agree with everything. We're all, we all come from different places. We like different baseball teams, different jobs. But one thing we all love is Jesus. So when you come to church with that attitude, we're all in agreement with each other. Now we can come with what? Love and grace and mercy. Because you know, you know, you get, you know, go, go out in the world in the week, you come to church, you're already beat up. You need some what? Empathy and comfort. When you come to church, you get plugged back in. To get full of that love again and be charged. So you can go back out there and face that evil world again. We don't want to become evil. We want to over, the Bible says, don't let evil overcome you. Overcome evil by doing good. So you have to replace evil with good. You didn't say, I'm not going to do evil. You have to replace the evil. You have to remove it and replace it with good. Instead of doing something evil, you do something good for somebody today. Say, I'm going to do something good for someone today. I'm going to pray for somebody. Anything. That's how you get rid of what? Evil. Other than that, evil creeps in. We start, as soon as you wake up in the morning, you want to pray with good intentions, and these things come into your head in prayer. You say, where did that come from? Talk about, uh, if anything, my amnesia comes when I go to pray. I forget everything. And I remember the things that are bad. Does anybody go through this when they go to pray? The devil starts putting these vile things into my head while I'm trying to pray. And I say, no, I have to what? Stop. It says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. But we have to submit to God. That's where the humility comes in. All right, let's move on now. Is the love of God unconditional? Yes. But he hates evil. God hates evil. We have to understand this now. Unconditional love means you cannot earn love. The love of God is unconditional and his nature is to love. Go with me to 1 John chapter 4. Okay. Just getting warmed up. <laughs> Give everybody a chance to get there. First John chapter four. Look at verse seven. First John chapter four, verse seven. Dear friends, let us continue to love one another. 
For love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. His pure, perfect, unconditional love moves him towards selfless action. Now he's saying, now listen, there's two things. When you believe in Jesus, you have God. Now, the next one is to what? You get to know God. It's two different things now. As a believer, you already have God. But you have him, but you don't know him. So that's why it says, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So what do I have to do? Once I know that I'm starting to love the way God loves, is that means I'm getting to know God better. That's the, that's the, that's the what? That's the tangible evidence that I'm growing. That I am starting to love the way God loves. Can I get an amen here? All right, go to Matthew chapter 5 now. <laughs> you know, I could put the big screen up here for you, but then that won't help you when you read your Bible on your, your own. Matthew chapter 5, look at verse 43. You have heard the law that says, Love your neighbor. And he's getting that from Leviticus chapter 19, verse 18. And hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies. We compare that with Luke 6, 27 and 28. Pray for those who persecute you. In that way, listen to what it says in verse 45. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven. You see it? Acting. For he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good. And he sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. But you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect, or perfect means mature. That's what perfect is. So now we have to understand, how do I know if I'm maturing in the Lord? By my love for others. That's what shows you that you're growing. Not by how much of the Bible you put in your head, how much you read, how many times you come to church. That does not show you where you're growing. It shows you when you put into practice what you're learning and start to love people that way. Especially yourself. In other words, no matter who we are, what we've done, God expresses his unconditional love towards us. He did this through his divine rescue plan, the gospel. Right? He sent Jesus to save us sinful humanity from the penalty we deserve, such as eternal death. Sinful humanity is rebellious towards a perfect and sinless God. Romans 5 
Romans 5. <laughs> Everybody's just sitting there saying, yeah, Romans 5. No, no, no. Go to Romans 5. Everybody's saying, come on. See how the human heart is? <clears throat> Turning them pages is just too hard for me. Those pages are heavy. They're hard to turn. Wait a minute, let me get a spoon and some formula for you. God does for us what we can't do for ourselves. He doesn't do for us what we can. Like open the book and flip the pages and read it. You know, they say they have that saying, you're in the lake drowning and you ask, God, please help me. He sends the boat to help you. And you watch the boat go by and, oh, Lord, where are you? He said, I just sent the boat. Get in it. What are you going to wait for somebody to pick you up and put you in the boat? Get in the boat. I sent the boat. I gave you the book. Open it. <laughs> Look what it says in verse 6. I love this. Romans 5, verse 6. When we were utterly helpless, remember that state of mind you were in at one point? Helpless, powerless. Christ came into your life just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for a person who's especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Big amen there. The all right, listen, the unconditional love of God made a way for humanity to receive eternal life, which we could never achieve through our own efforts. I'm going to give you a break, okay? I'm going to go to 2 Corinthians 5.21. It says, but you're not off the hook yet. For God made Christ, who never sinned, First, if you want to go there, 5.21 says, For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin, or become sin itself, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. In other words, God took all our sins, past, present, and future, and put them on Jesus Christ, which he chose to take and gave us his righteousness in replace of that. Jesus put our sins and gave us his robe of righteousness so we can have a fresh start. Born again. That's what he did for us. Now, God's hatred towards things that separate us from him, though the love of God is unconditional towards humanity, remember, it is not earned. God does not love the sin of humanity. The Bible tells us that we must turn from sin and turn toward God, drawing near to him. God is a God of reconciliation. For someone to be reconciled to God, they must first see that they were separated from him. This is what sin does. It separates us from God. Now, turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Oh, you're going to get a good understanding of this. Is everybody with me so far? Thank you. I'm running out of time. I'm going to have to continue this. Time goes by fast. I mean, 
and you're having fun here. <laughs> I, can, I can go all day with this, but I don't even want to fall out the window. I have to bring it back to life. Now listen. <laughs> uh, Acts chapter 3, look at verse 19. Is repentance still active today? Yes, yes. Oh, yes, it is. of course it is. We're always going to repent. We're always going in the wrong direction. Hello? Repentance is a, is a key formula to grow. Confessions and repentance is something that we should be doing daily. Okay. <laughs> Somebody's navigation is on. Acts chapter 3. Look at verse 19. It tells us, now, repent of your sins and turn to God. Why? So that your sins may be wiped away. So when we repent and turn to God, what does he do? He wipes our sins away. Can I get an amen here? But we have to go to him and repent. Then, look what it says in verse 20. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. What does he mean, times of refreshment? Because the guilt and the stain and the weight of sin, what it doesn't get refreshing us. It what it tears us apart. See, when you repent and turn back to God, He refreshes us and wipes it all away again for us. It's not a one-time deal. We have to keep going to Him with that, so we can experience that salvation now. Can I get an amen here? Nothing wrong with going to the Lord. And say, Lord, I blew it today. I was more for me than you today. Which most of us are. We're real. We don't like church faces here. We want you to come here real. It's okay. It's okay. I gotta tomorrow morning, I gotta go to work and get in that traffic and the same mess that you guys gotta get into. So I understand what it's like to get frustrated out there, try to live this Christian life in this world right now. It's very difficult. It's very dark out there right now. And sin is just trying to grab us again. And take us back into that darkness. But we're to live as children of light. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is if we have the word of God circulating in our minds throughout the day. To bring us back. You plug your cell phone in, right? In the morning? If you plug it in on a Monday and don't plug it in until next Monday, will it stay charged? No, you've got to plug it in every day. It's the same thing with God's word. You come here on Sunday, but you've got to plug in every day to the Word of God to stay charged up in the Christian life. Simple, that's simple. Don't you wish just coming one Sunday would just take out all the evil? No, it doesn't work that way. You have to what? Continue to get refreshed. I'm just a supplement to help you understand the refreshment. Can I get an amen here? All right. You can only spoon feed you for a little while, then you're going to start feeding yourself. Like a baby, right? A baby gets fed the spoon, right? The food. Well, the baby Christian gets fed the spoon. Then as the, as the baby Christian grows, he starts to what? Eat for himself. So he starts to what? Read the word of God for himself. And eat the, eat the word of God. So he can grow. Eat the meat of the word of God. See it? But as long as somebody can get spoon-fed, they'll stick with it. Yeah, yeah. Keep feeding me. Keep feeding me. 
And when you grow up, you say, you know, I can start to feed myself now, thank you. <laughs> now, it says, then verse 20, we're going to close here. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord, and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time for the final restoration of all things, as God promised long ago through his prophets. Now listen, Jesus sacrificed his life for us, not so that we could go on sinning and live in rebellion towards God, but rather to satisfy the wrath of God towards us and enable us to serve God wholeheartedly. Can I get an amen here? That's why he died. He sacrificed not to go on sinning. To what? So we could what? Satisfy. He already took the sight. So we could what? Enable us to serve God and live for him wholeheartedly. Something we could never do before found Jesus. We could never live for God before that. We were selfish at our core. Now he's telling us to become selfless and serve me. And that's when you receive, you see? It's when you give is when you receive. That's how you know you're growing. When you start to give more than you take. I get an amen here. Okay, thank you for me sharing that. I'm going to call the ushers to come up. We're going to stand and we're going to sing and we're going to close. All right, we're going to stand. Pretty's going to come up and sing. And we are going to close.
It's awesome. Dave, you want to come up and close us? Lord, there's no place we'd rather be on Sunday morning, Lord, than in your house, Lord, and hear your word. Yes, Lord. Lord, we're so grateful and thankful to have such an amazing and faithful congregation, Lord, that has loved you so much, Lord, and is dedicated to serving you and others, Lord. And a pastor that loves you in the church, Lord, and isn't afraid to preach those tough, convicted messages, Lord. The messages that we truly need to hear if we want to grow in our walk with you. Lord, I pray that you give us the strength, Lord, to take those tough messages, Lord, and use them not to become bitter, Lord, but to grow stronger in our walk with you, Lord. Yes, Lord. And Lord, I just pray that you would continue to watch over this church and our families, Lord, and those who might be sick or just going through that tough time, Lord. That you would touch their hearts, Lord, reassure them, and then lead them, or forsake them, and that you with them always. I pray this in the holy, precious name. Amen. Amen. All right. Thanks, Dave. Good morning, everybody. The service is over. Have a great day. Until we meet again, God bless. Peace.